don't worry, this isn't an interpretive dream sequence. It is V'ger Please, a hateful voyage through the Delta Quadrant. My name, it's Joseph. And I'm your hallucination, Peter. <laughs> You're, are you my discount Mickey, Peter? I'm so sick of Boothby. I'm, I'm glad this is the last Boothby episode that we're going to have to... Yeah. <laughs> it's like, talk about going on a low note, but you know what? Before we, <laughs> let's, 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 uh, let's not do that yet. You mentioned Slide to me before we... Before before we uh, started recording, you mentioned you listened to the last uh, uh, Delta Flyers and you wanted to talk about something. Yeah, man, Delta Flyer, the the topic on my tongue every week. And how can it not be? You know, it, we're, we are living this life of Star Trek Voyager. And I don't know for the average listener in the world, like how relevant Delta Flyers could possibly be but it is coming at a, such an opportune time for you and i where just, i hang off of every word they say because it's shit that we've theorized and conjectured what were they thinking on the set what did the actors think about you know these goofy lines are making them say um and more to the point on this episode uh, as we get ready to discuss season five episode 17 the flight um it's episode 19 that's 17. Oh, it's 18, 19. And it's, right. and it's the fight, not the flight. I don't know why I can't. Get you you managed to get that wrong in in a spectacular fashion. But well, they on. managed to get the fucking episode wrong in a spectacular fashion, so it's only fitting. <laughs> true, true story. I'm giving it every drop of respect it's due. It's a Beltran. It's a Chakotay episode. And the Delta Flyers just reviewed uh, Initiations, which was a uh, a Beltran heavy episode. That's the one with Aaron Eisenberg, which was um, the, you know, Chakotay buddy cop drama with the, with the young Kazon. And I seem to recall, we, we genuinely liked that episode. Um, and they have a special yeah. guest star on, which is Robert Beltran himself. And I'll tell you, Joe, I, I fucking dig Beltran. I, I might have a dude crush. <laughs> I, I, watch some of his convention videos, you know, and they have the big Voyager panels and he does seem like a pretty like chill guy. Um, you know, he's kind of older, you know, his, he's able to reflect with more maturity, I think as a consequence, you know, he's lived some life. And, uh, I think that helps a lot. Man, I imagine it, uh, I imagine it, it conflicted a bit with the Garrett Wang style of, let me tell you about how my pants fit in this episode. <laughs> It does. Uh, he's got that real chill, laid back feel to him. At the same time, he has retained what seems to be an impressive amount of Trek lore and knowledge of experience on the show. He doesn't seem shy to talk about it, and he seems like a really cool dude and a, and a good guest. I, I wish he had more time on that. But the reason they brought him on specifically was to kind of... Um, honor Aaron who had passed away what last year 29 was yeah last yeah last year he was one of the many celebrities claimed by 2019s which we thought at the time was a tragedy so many famous beloved people had died and in reality it was just fate sparing them from the woe of 2020 <laughs> it got out while the getting was good <laughs> went on high notes um but yeah he had a lot of really good insight on that and just uh very very enjoyable episode hearing him talk on delta flyers and when we started to watch the fight at home i was like oh wow that's cool i just listened to this beltran episode and here's a beltran episode of voyager and that'll be a nice segue and some cool reflection points and no it, it wasn't this is <laughs> and no unfortunately it failed miserably some fucking troll that lives under a staircase somewhere in the Paramount writer's room descended from the depths of its vile cave and and braved out into the, the world of sunlight so it could get into the writer's room and say, it's been too long since you have paid me respect. I am the, the shit script troll, and if I am not appeased, <laughs> I will consume your firstborns. And then uh, Joe Minoski or whoever wrote this goddamn thing actually this is michael taylor wasn't it uh it, 
it's story by Taylor, teleplay by Minoski. So it sounds like the idea was Taylor's and then the details were Minoski's. You have not appeased the old gods of season two. You must yeah, give us a what? tribute of the worst fucking episode <laughs> humanly It's like possible. Legends of the Hidden Temple. It's like the Olmec or whatever the, mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the statue. Lamagra, the complete... blood god, demands sacrifice. <laughs> He didn't complete the obstacle course. Uh, you know, the Shrine of the Silver Monkey went unrated. And therefore, uh, you know, we've got to have a certified sneaker. And we were t- talking about how like season five was steady rolling. Like the drone was the only like certifiably terrible episode we had watched this season. Well, move over, drone. There's a new sheriff in town. Oh, boy. I did. I mean, I remembered the boxing shtick of this, but it, I probably haven't seen this episode in you know, 20 fucking years. So I'm sorry you've had to do this to yourself and revisit it. You know, I'm glad that someone else could suffer with me, though. And then my that wife person was, was you. there partially for it. She was playing on her phone and occasionally would look over her shoulder at the TV. And this morning she's like, so was that a good episode last night? And I was like, no, it was, it was fucking terrible. She's like, it didn't look good. It, it looked to me like <laughs> someone in the 90s must have just discovered David Lynch. And yes. Thought, hey, you know what? What if we tried to do Mulholland Drive as a Star Trek Voyager episode? And I was like, that is exactly what it felt like. This is it. Even it even had the weird in media res sort of uh, setup to try and like screw with the timing, but not so much that it was a real Lynchian move. Like Mulholland Drive, the movie's just literally out of order, and part of the challenge is figuring out what's going on. Like when any David Lynch film, I guess. Uh, I I appreciated this episode more for the fact that it was essentially a bingo card for every bad Chakotay trope from season one through season three. It's like I, my inner V'ger, please, Stefan came out. It was this this episode has everything. It has Indian bullshit flute. It has Akushamoya. It has <laughs> Chakotay the dream warrior. You know, it, it has everything that we hated about all it has his annoying relatives played by bad actors (laughs) you know like and why it's it's got everything i thought that was like an awkward teenage phase that the show had grown out of like chakotay went from being arguably the low point of the the crew to probably like one of my favorite characters in in the show and yeah, man, it's just like he tried to go back in and put on a bunch of clothing that just did not fit anymore and, and look like a total asshole. Um, metaphorically, like all the all the looks that were bad for him were here uh, by the handful. The show starts with a very hot opening. I actually thought it was a pretty cool, you know, one of those like we're thrust into the middle of some crazy shit. We don't know what's going on. Chakotay's thrashing around. He's got the whatever the big fucking oversized doodads that the doctor likes to glue to people's necks and their temples. Cortical implants. Yeah, cortical Stimulators, what blockers, whatever. Uh, you know, from the makers of Real Talk Tuvok comes hallucinogenic Chakotay. He's thrashing around and sick bay. Get him out of my head. Get him out of my head. And the doctor's pressing like, no, you're the only person who's going to decipher what they say. So instantly, you know, okay, there's some goofy interphasic alien race and they're picking Chakotay as the mouthpiece and there's some sort of uh, communication issue and, and it's discomforting. It's what I think to be some pretty established sci-fi groundwork that they can just kind of speed through. Um, and then he kind of chills out. I notice the doctor just calling him Chakotay, not Commander Chakotay, which I don't know why the 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 use of rank or the absence of rank. When people are talking about each other in this episode really stood out to me, but the doctor yeah, the kind dialogue of dialogue was a little awkward when it came to uh, how people were sort of interacting with each other and not for any reason they established in the story. Like Tom's kind of just a dickhead the entire time, calls the captain sir at one point, which yeah. never happens. Mm hmm. I don't know. It was just weird. I don't really have a lot of notes about this because it was so bad and just 
a lot of eye rolly visual stuff, but um, so you're gonna have to kind of help me guide conversation on this. The, the doctor says, Hey, listen, let's, let's try to recenter you. Uh, I can't break off through medicine or letting you sleep or whatever the state you're in, or we're going to lose contact with this alien species. Bring it back to where it began. Do you remember how this all started? And it had started on the holodeck in apparently a 40s era boxing. <laughs> yeah, so I love boxing. Uh, I used to do some boxing back when I was uh, approximately 10 years younger and 30 pounds uh, lighter than I am presently. And it's a certainly a way to... Um, test your adrenaline levels and your and your metal and your willingness to get punched in the face it's it's interest it's an interesting experience i'll say that and uh you'll never feel uh three minutes the same way again after you've spent three minutes in the ring with with another guy who's trying to punch you in the face and you are trying to punch him in the face the mode they're trying to go for here is definitely you know discount rocky uh right down to boothby being uh, Chakotay's uh, corner man slash coach. Even he's got like a sweater on exactly like Mickey from Rocky and Rocky 2. And uh, he is uh, Chakotay, that is, is boxing a, a holographic Terrarian. Uh, ter- and I didn't know what to catch the alien's uh, actual uh, identification. And um, the alien was a they're, they're doing some decent actual like on screen boxing. Uh, like with the actual exchanges that they're having, their technique is you can tell that Robert Beltran took s- doing this seriously of of uh, trying to authentically box someone on camera. Uh, the only thing that uh, was awkward to me was that the advice he gets from Boothby is essentially it go walk into some punches and tire them out, which is not exactly good advice to say that. They pan over and it's something like, oh, God, is that Boothby? Please don't be Boothby. Oh, like you totally pointed Boothby. out, <laughs> Boothby, who is so blatantly reading his lines off cue cards off stage that they had to try to position the camera to not directly face him as he's talking to Chakotay while reading his lines off stage. I don't it's know. Like it's only Bo- it's only Boothby because they already had him on this season. Like he was already, uh, already had him on, uh, you know, what, 15 episodes ago when they, uh, went to the species A472 sex simulation. And, uh, and that was also a Chicote episode. Yeah. A good That's one. It's like too. the only other one this season. <laughs> I, let, let's, let's, let's set aside, uh, criticism. Let's go in universe here for a little bit. The idea of having, real people, real coworkers, real friends or whatever coded into the holodeck and how that should really work in the 24th century. Like if you're doing workplace simulators, even stuff like worst case scenario where you're planning, you know, mutiny uh, of a, of a terrorist faction in the ship or other like bridge training simulators. Yeah. Having coworkers or friends, holographically simulated seems to make great sense. Taking people from your life and, and turning them into a closer relationship. And I'm not talking necessarily about sex and in Boothbay's case with Chakotay, I should certainly hope. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. But like, does it come off as creepy if I was like, you know, I'm going to make, Joe, my my dude that I hang out and cook with on Fridays in my holodeck simulator. Like, granted, Boothby's not really serving on the ship, but still, it just it comes off as weird to be like, I'm I'm gonna make this guy someone who's a close confidant or something more than just a casual hologram character in the background. Like, he's gonna be this inspirational source. Or does that come off as weird to you? So I'm of two minds of it. One, this all appears to be something that Chicote created himself or that he took an existing like boxing program and like added this to it. 
we've established before these guys are out there by themselves. They kind of have to figure out ways to entertain themselves. So I understand kind of maybe some of the social norms around holodeck stuff of like, well, you know, I just copied this guy who was my coach to be my coach, uh, you know, for this boxing simulator. And it's okay. It's not like it's someone that's on the ship. It's, It's really just for me personally. It's this specific circumstance of it doesn't seem weird. However, uh, yeah, where is the line between what uh, Barkley having what he did, which was obviously wrong and weird and super creepy uh, versus what's OK? Is it OK that you have a a simulation where you're like totally buds with the first officer and you go out and you just like have drinks and 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 bro fist each other and in reality, he's kind of a dick to you. He barely remembers your name and you don't have a relationship with him at all. Like that, that's also kind of weird and creates this, this artificial sense of intimacy with a fake version of someone that you would think most people would find socially unacceptable. And jumping back to what was the eight, four, seven, two training simulator called again. I forget. The, in, oh, in the flesh. It was in, the, in flesh, the flesh, I think. Yeah. You just dealt with a fake Boothby already. Like how many fake Boothbys do you need in your life? If <laughs> if if I was. Uh, I don't know if I was a space dude and then I came across uh, a, a race of people that we had thought were so bad that my captain allied with the fucking Borg over and their chosen representative leader a couple weeks later was a replica of my high school history teacher. I don't know if I'd be especially motivated to make my high school history teacher that same one. Um, the guy who's going to teach me how to make pizzas in my holodeck simulation, like chill out on the booth, be Chicote. It's weird. <laughs> hey, um, you, you started this whole thing with like potential sexual elements. So, you know. We don't know what's lurking in that Chicote Chicote closet. Stop. <laughs> I'm only bringing up the things you mentioned, Peter. This is a hell of your own creation. That was a hell Peter of Joe Manowski's creation. Um, <laughs> the, I would argue, only cool thing that happens all episode happens in this scene. And as uh, Chicote squares back off the Trillion, he kind of has this weird moment where he's he's stunned and seems to take a close look at the room around him. And as we pan the camera back over the Trellian, this really cool like geodesic mirror pattern unfolds out from behind the character, kind of like angel wings. And it looks really great, even for what is traditionally Voyager's typical 90s budget, terrible CGI um, regiment, but it looks of, really of which cool. there will be plenty in this episode. <laughs> yes. Spoiler alert. But this one looks fucking great. It looks modern. It, it looks cool. And it kind Jacobi- of reminded me of the uh, uh, effect you see a lot in Deus, the new Deus Ex games where they do the sort of like collapsing kaleidoscope, you know, like a mirror smash kind of effect is that something they actually i thought that was just marketing stuff is that actually in the game yeah yeah they use that effect within the game and in the menus and that sort of thing it's part of their aesthetic for sure the triangle yeah aesthetic is is the right word but chakotas is kind of like wow what's going on and that's when the hologram like fucking sucker punch not not sucker punch but you know peels him off a fresh one like he's (laughs) just standing around begging for a left hook across the face he programmed the Dolby punch into his opponent because he wanted him to have an to be even chance. Fight. Yeah, he wanted to be fair. Like you can't keep that weapon to yourself and expect to have a challenge. You've got to, no. you've got to give the Dolby punch power to your sparring partner. What was the the episode that name out of that one? The season one finale that was a terrible pick. Space friendship is magic. What was that one actually? Whatever. When Delta Flyers did that one, like they spent a lot of time dissecting the Dobie punch there. I'm, I'm glad to see that it's awkward blocking for no matter who the audience was for. But uh, he gets knocked the fuck out and he wakes up in sick bay. And we have a pretty strong Bob Picardo episode, actually. Yeah, I would say he's the only saving grace. There's a lot of Bob Picardo trying to. Uh... 
crowd out uh, everyone else's poor acting. I mean, Robert Beltran just isn't very good in this one. He just isn't like he's given a lot of space to like be in anguish at a lot of different times to really turn on his acting and make you feel it. He just kind of has to act against Bob Picardo and fails. It's shades of what happened to Harry Kim uh, when Garrett Wang was asked to do all that romance dialogue like two episodes ago when he was uh, banging the 90s, the 90s space hottie. I I think the the. The Chakotay and Payne on the bridge stuff is good enough. Uh, as good as this episode was going to get for him. I think the parts where Beltran really falls apart is with all the grandfather stuff we get subjected to. And as he's forced to play his emotions off of another actor who is super community theater level, I I don't blame him for the poor performance that is a result. In any case, uh, you know, he has his stern talking to from the doctor about how boxing is barbaric it is essentially a rich a sport in which one person is attempting to concuss the other enough times to render them unconscious it is a sport made for brain damage uh it is definitely not something you would expect most people in the 24th century to approve of so i do uh, i do respect the doctor being like this is stupid and i can't believe people do it you're all you're all dumb, probably because you box. What and, is surprising to me is the line that Chakotay throws out that there's nothing like a good fight doctor. And for Chakotay, who has been they've really gone out of their way to portray him as a pacifist, despite the fact he's a fucking space terrorist. Right. Even when we go back to. Was it prey or the hunt, the one with the space predator Manchurian candidate situation? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where they all talk in that way that you hated uh, what the, yeah. their footfalls must be silenced and they must think of Stop. their mothers and foremothers. Listen, I just had to watch the fight, please. I, I can't be fair traumatized. But, you know, we spent half that episode like Chakotay's a terrorist who kills Cardassians for a living. Like, where's all this pacifism coming out? We've really had it beat into us that Chakotay is a pacifist first and foremost who would rather have the ship slither away on its belly leaking piss instead of fighting space whales or whatever that was in the coffee episode for him to, to have this, this new exciting hobby that apparently he's all about same deal as a uh, Paris got earlier with his secret uh, underwater fetish that no one knew about. It just really seemed jarring. I certainly think the inconsistency of Chakotay's backstory overall is a problem uh, that he is a professional murderer before he gets, you know, his second chance in Starfleet vis-a-vis being stuck in Delta Quadrant on Voyager, but is also a pacifist. These things do not make sense. What seems more likely is they were trying to say he is a pacifist by nature for the most part but he was drawn he but the cardassians were so terrible he was drawn to fight on their behalf uh you know in the maquis insurgency which is a fine line to take but they don't have him take that line instead as you say they beat us over the head over and over with this idea that he's secretly just this very sensitive man and don't reconcile that to the fact that he purposefully left Starfleet to go join a ragtag bunch of murder hobos cruising around the DMZ with the likes of Lon Suter, who he knew, by the way, was a murderer and was just like, eh, kind of need him. Like or the guy he uh, randomly eulogized before an episode. His coal mining like, buddy. He loved so much yeah. that we never saw him on screen because <laughs> they got into a fight together, too. Like they just they never marry these two parts of his character in a, in a way that makes any sense. I I want to go deeper on this because you've you've given me something to really think about. Chakotay is saddled with this garbage backstory. I would say arguably the worst backstory not arguably for, for it sure I mean, the yeah. fucking tattoo we named keep your backstory to yourself like that's how bad from his false native american rubber tree fucking mishmash cultural butchery that they they tried to pass off uh under whatever the fraud was that was their native american consultant to these other elements like 
Chakotay saddled with his trash backstory. He is a great character in the moment. He's a great character of now. But as soon as you try to make him lean back on this fucking that this collection of garbage short stories that he comes from the character falls apart. I think he, I don't know what the right way to rewrite him would be, but I, I think that if you could have given him something decent, like I like disgrace Starfleet officer, that part's good. Everything else is just trash. And what got me though, because you're right. It is trash. It is the worst backstory. These things you're saying is correct, but they got him out from under it. Yeah, they got him out from under it by effectively using parts of his backstory in episodes that were really good, like the episode where uh, Neelix has the near death experience or Mm -hmm. is dead, like not near death, was dead, got resurrected by nanoprobes, didn't see his version of the afterlife. And he turns to Chakotay for spiritual help and... You know, he tries to help him and he gets a very uncertain, disquieting kind of answer to his vision quest. And Chakotay is trying to explain to him like these, you know, you can't take these things at, at surface level. It's, there's this whole spiritual growth that comes with this. And it's it, it, it made so much sense, A, for him to be the character that did that because of his backstory and B, what his response to that was and trying to basically play this spiritual counselor role and they got him out from under the garbage so well, like free aside and clear from, too. yeah, like someone had some t- said something stupid and then they had to spend 15 minutes explaining why what they said wasn't stupid. And it's like, cool, we can move on and just deal with the future of this character and then immediately fall back to that stupid thing they said and, and reinvoke all of this trash. Why you fixed the character stupid episodes like this where you just want him to slap the coochie moya, slap the the fucking spirit journey button, just undoes all that hard work you put into to unfuck him. And that's exactly so what the, happens in this episode, right? Like Yeah. The the next the next episode actually the next episode. The next scene actually starts it off because he go they go to the bridge, there's the space conundrum, blah blah blah. They're stuck in this chaotic space thing, which of course Seven of Nine is helpfully able to describe because the Borg have encountered it before. And when they cut back to Chakotay, he's in his quarters, and that's when you hear this the stilting sounds in the background of the Indian bullshit flute. Like I heard it, and I'm like, Yes! Shame on you for and, not having that audio queued up, Jim. Oh, I, I dude, like, I looked for it. I forgot. I, I was trying to get ready for us to broadcast tonight. And I'm like, I got to find this thing. And I couldn't find it. And I realized the last time I used it, I was I had an old I was using my old computer. So I don't actually have the audio file on this computer anymore. And I was like, God damn it. I only try to find where I found that because I like hunted down some YouTube video of like Indian flute music or something. I couldn't find it. Like, God damn it. I need I'm gonna find it for post-production and you know it's gonna be playing over this entire discussion. It's the only way it can be done. I b- uh, believe in me. I, I, I believe in you. So he's uh he starts hallucinating on the bridge. And I thought this was also kind of a cool scene too, where uh he thinks he sees the boxing gloves, he hears the computer announcing his match, he hears the crowd roaring, and he starts losing his shit. And everybody else is on the bridge is like, no, I don't hear that. No, I don't see that. And uh, then he just kind of snaps and starts throwing left hooks at Tuvok, who I think would have been excellent <laughs> if we would have been treated at least one time Chakotay blast Tuvok in the mouth. But uh, his reward for his little outburst is he gets put in the Vulcan nerve pinch and dragged back down to sickbay. The big focus of the episode is the next scene, right? Like, because it's this extended as you said, Lynchian dream sequence because Chakotay dream warrior, Chuck Ote, the dream warrior makes a, a reappearance. He wants to do a vision quest to explore this, these, this thing that's happening to him because what has occurred is there's this latent gene that causes hallucinations that was suppressed uh, by Federation by science doctor, which before he was born, and, and again, this drags out the, the what the fuckness, right? He's part of this rubber tree people tribe that's very spiritual, very off the grid. 
they're so far off the grid they don't even have last names somehow in the 24th century whatever right right of, of some weird central american and or native american ancestry whatever uh his dad's super deep into this as we were drilled in the face and tattoo yet even with all this return to the 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 simpler ways and all this other stuff like their kids are still going through gene therapy okay it doesn't jive but whatever he's got this genetic defect that for some reason has reawoken uh spoiler it's the native aliens to chaotic space turning this on because that's going to allow them to kind of communicate um, yeah, they, by by making chakotay crazy they can make him crazy enough to talk to him which i like that idea it's it is a classic voyager oh what a neat idea let's just waste it by kicking <laughs> fucking dirt onto it over and over and over again um and that is they use a metaphoric framing device of Chicote's boxing simulation to communicate the ideas of first his capability of communicating with the aliens. And then after that, and his own subconscious, you know, uh, doubts about being able to do so because of this baggage he has about his family having this gene and his grandfather essentially refusing medical treatment for having uh you know these these hallucinations and then ultimately you know stepping forward to quote unquote have the fight where he has to suffer through the contact with the alien uh represented by uh a basically a galaxy person punching him in the face over and over the um, low point of the episode for me one of the low points was during the discovery phase of all this that maybe Chakotay is going to be the chosen conduit normally this would be Jordy LaForge in TNG terms that oh my ocular implants on the side of my head can pick up this weird frequency and now I'm getting background like that th this is the setup we're dealing with um, and again he just rolls over and slaps at a Moya button like and I quote <laughs> I need to go on a vision quest and it's like first thing off the bat. No, I need to discussion. go on a vision quest. We haven't heard. Uh, I think the last time, thankfully, the last time we were subjected to this was uh, the Napoleon Dynamite butthole space vampires. That's correct. Where he had the moon device that he was supposed to <laughs> where he fights the alien with a spear and then a fist fight and puts it in a hammer lock before the yeah they, they, they know they're they're stuck in a dream they're inceptioned because he sees the moon in after they quote unquote wake up overly explained inception what a what a terrible episode that really was um but yeah i must go on a spirit quest or vision quest like there's nothing mystic about it he goes on these vision quests in these bad episodes like the good example of it is when he helps neelix and neelix has something that's highly interpretive dream state right and the bad stuff is like napoleon dynamite episode whatever the fuck that was called where and, and here where it's just he goes on these was that waking, episode by the way he goes into these vision quest states the same way you or i would turn the lights on and off or turn a tv on he gets out his trusty old uh hand vibrator space peyote right they treat it like he has superpowers because he's an Indian. That's always been the, the fucking bag about what we mock about it is they treat like as someone of a different culture as if that culture comes with supernatural powers. It would be as insensitive as, say, a role playing company uh, making an entire source book about how Roma people have secret powers within your gaming universe. By the way, that's to your point. Some, that's something that someone did at one point. But, but, but to 90s. your vampire point, right? Your your vampire the right. masquerade point. He goes on vision quests the same way someone would go into astral projection. For projection. He spends that yeah. willpower and boom, he is now drops the floor and he's good to go. Yep. Hey, watch me. I'm going to go astral. Please don't let anybody put their dick in my mouth and take a picture. <laughs> That's 90s vampire for you right there. Yeah, um, we did it. 
<laughs> you know, they, they got the flute going in the background. Lighting was strange in this episode. It's intentionally strange in his hallucination uh, vision quest state. And I think just even on Voyager itself, everybody looks weird. Beltran looks real off. All the weird yeah, camera his shots. Hair. His hair was so weird in this episode. Why? That the same Why did hair? he have that page boy haircut? Well, that's the same hair he had back in Living Witness when it was evil holographic Chakotay who beat people unmercifully. Uh, no, that was Harry Kim that was punching people. No, that one was he was cool. He was like sadistically sympathetic. Um, I, his hair goes back and forth. The whole boxing thing I read on Memory Alpha, like he was kind of cool about doing it. I was like, hey, give me three weeks notice so I can get in great shape. And they're like, yeah, absolutely. You're doing this tomorrow. So he is noticeably for a boxing episode. Never shirtless. He's always got these uh, T-shirts and stuff on. I feel that I do. I, I mean, feel this, it too, man. I'm, I, f- I got no I would need, I would need, throw. I would need at least two months of set of strict setups to get anywhere close to my shirt off. I would need a Roxanne Dawson cargo container full of pushups. <laughs> that's all. That's all of them. That's all made, and all of the ones that were made in nineteen. You know, you joke about it, but that was rough, man. I remember the pushup shortage of '98 when when she really cornered the market on pushups and didn't leave any for the rest of us. It was. It was hard. You know, these kids these days, they think uh, this COVID thing's rough. What she did to the push-up economy was just fucking wrong. Yeah, um, she really crashed it. It was awful. <laughs> so we get the hand uh, the hand jive vibrator. We get the Akuchi Moya. I really feel like these moments where he's going on Vision Quest, where he's Akuchi Moying, should be Robert Beltran's like Alan Rickman moment from Galaxy Quest, where it's like the mere mention of a Moy or anything like that should just bring such a level <laughs> of seething out of him that he was forced to repeat that stuff humiliatingly so many times. But but it's here in force, unfortunately. Uh, and we just start bouncing around to this sloppy interpretation boxing match the ship getting knocked around. Nobody's able to do anything of value on the ship. I did like to think about like the Borg as they reach into like the real frontiers of civilization and strange oddities of space with their collective mind encountering crazy shit like this. And like, how would the Borg have handled radically shifting realities and, and astral currents and all the other stuff in this? There's a little point where, as they move forward with some somewhat better sensor perception, they find uh, an, a, a ghost ship adrift and the crew of that ship had befallen a similar fate where everybody just died of exposure and crazy space madness. I, I was so fucking checked out this episode. I'm, I'm struggling to find anything to talk about. There is a certain moment. Let me, later let me, in where let me alleviate you for a moment. Okay. Let let's, let's just mark the list off. Okay. So I mentioned that the Indian bullshit flute starts in act one and continues through the rest of the episode. Right. And all of the like in the, in the scenes where Chakotay is leaning into his backstory to Kuchimoya actually says the line has the, he has the Oregon trail rock that we saw way back in season one. Bingo list up. I, I don't have a bingo list, but I, I made note of all of these things, you know, he has the the Oregon Trail rock in his hand when he gets woken up from one of the vision quests. So you remember that. Uh, he says that he's many, you know, he says the whole thing that he said in uh, the, I guess it was the episode that the Delta Flyers just did where he's like, I'm many, many mo- moons from my ancestors. I'm far from them, you know. Show me a spirit to guide me the way. All this did did that did the whole the whole spiel from before uh you mentioned the very community theater uh we got a guy who is an elderly native american actor <laughs> to, like we found the guy that was working the worst the day player the day player we could get for scale <laughs> you know that had a sag guard we got him and he was just terrible and that that goes towards you know chicote young chicote was terrible Chicote's dad was medium to bad, you know, like 
all of the Chakotay line poorly acted. It's an important part of their continuity. Um, they, they had the, uh, the, I guess that, that ends all of the, the Chakotay isms. Oh, the immediate acceptance of the, of the captain of the, yes, you may do your supernatural powers. My, you know, second in command Indian friend. I, I, in the same way that she would treat basically a mind meld. She treats the, the, uh, the vision quest, <laughs> which by the way, remember in season one, she was like a tourist about, like, she was like, Oh, tell me of your exotic culture. I will humor your thoughts that, that, that it's actually true. The dichotomy in this episode between people who want to believe Chakotay has an answer and the people who vehemently disagree and think he's crazy is mind boggling. Like the doctor pushing him dangerously, 110 percent like Chakotay is like, get these guys out of here. They're ripping my mind apart. I'm afraid I'm going to go crazy forever. And the doctor's like, now nah, you find you must trust them. <laughs> you must trust it. Like what? Where Where's your objectivity at? And then finally, the whole crew is like, oh, God. Our only real chance in saving the day here is going to be Chakotay's first contact situation, which nobody brings up like, hey, Chakotay, you're the guy who wants to be Mr. First Contact. Like, here's your chance, right? This is your whole thing about Spider Skull Island and respecting other cultures, like respect they want the way they want to communicate with you. Um, when he finally has the way to get the ship out, like he gets up to the bridge before he forgets. And like Harry Kim and Tuvok are trying to block him like, no, what's he doing? Like, obviously, he's he's doing the thing you all have been making him go through torture to do. Like, get the fuck away from your computer. Just let him type the codes for retrograde shielding or whatever it was. I'm looking at their official Darius Voyager bingo card here, by the way, and. I think we might actually have a legit bingo situation. Oh, 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 ooh, ooh. Okay. All right. So, I would say so previous character us. development is ignored for the sake of plot. Okay. Because yeah. we have moved past a lot of his crap. Shuttlecrafts are safe. Balana, did Balana yell at anybody? Yeah, she did. The dream sequence, Balana. Uh, oh, she does. Yeah. Does yell Dirty at someone. Dirty sex dungeon stuff happens on the holodeck. I have in my notes here that this is the result of somebody's boxing fetish. And, and given the inclusion of Boothby, I'm going to say, yeah, dirty sex. I mean, we are, we, we actually unironically explored that. So yeah. 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 Janeway endangers the crew needlessly. I do not lay this at Janeway's feet. Borg nanotechnology did not save the day. Alien race does show up with weird stuff in their hair. Their weird stuff was like the galaxy, but yeah. (laughs) Neelix serve a disgusting meal. No, actually Neelix only shows up in the dream sequence. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Astrometrics lab scene. Absolutely. Consoles do explode. Akuchi Moya, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Ship security breach due to Tuvok's ineffectiveness. No, that's a pass. Doctor acts contrary to Hippocratic Oath. I would say he does certainly pressure uh, Chakotay into dangerous. Yeah, and to definitely uh, doing something he's psychologically uncomfortable with. Physiologically, maybe not, which I think is the case that he makes to the, to the captain. Like that he is physiologically fine. This is all in his mind. Alien race shows up looking like humans. Kind of true. Time travel. No. Uh, Holodeck malfunction. Kind of. And here's the big one is can, can, can we do this to get a bingo, Joe? A situation occurs where Lon Suter would have been an asset. What would Lon have done here? Ooh, man, I want that to be true, but I, I, I don't know if we can. It would have been that boxing bingo. match where Chakotay's <laughs> nervous and it would have been like I mean, a like, WWF moment. And Lon comes in not with a folding chair, but with a space pipe and busts the, the chaotic kid over the head with a space pipe. <laughs> what, what, what if, if, what what if, if instead, instead of fucking boxing, Chakotay was really big on WWE? And that this had just been a professional wrestling episode instead of boxing. How what great if, would that have been? What if Lon Suter still alive, freed from his imprisonment due to his heroic actions against the Kazon, has holodeck privileges. His holodeck time is spent working out his homicidal tendencies. So it's literally like uh, a murder simulator 
where, you know, he's negative thoughts about something. So rather than acting on it in person, he goes to the holodeck and murders that person there. Right. Sure, and that's already uh, two vox stick. Well, no, it's only for choking. He likes it's very limited. <laughs> so this is more of an omni murder simulator. And it's not like it's just, oh, hey, what's going on? Oh, my God. You know, like not the pipe. <laughs> so what if because he's a you know, he's a, a betazoid, you know, his brain works differently than everyone else's the aliens latch on to him and they start using his last holodeck program to communicate it and it's literally him having to confront over and over again murdering all all of his uh his his crew you know crewmates in his therapy simulator uh and so they have to deal with his like murderous uh tendencies coming back to the surface as he attempts to communicate with the aliens it would have made for a better episode can we can we count that can we count that? Absolutely. Okay, we you did had it. Me at lawn. Bingo. Okay, you had me at lawn. We Bingo. did it. <laughs> oh man. It is the bad Chicotay backstory rehash you never wanted. It's it's the bullshit from straight from tattoo, straight from Chuck Ote, the dream warrior, straight from every other time this man has had been forced to say a Kushimoya. It's never good. So this isn't either. Because this backstory sucks. This is season one, season two level bad. I am flabbergasted that this somehow saw the light of day under season five. And this is hands down the worst episode we've we've gotten all season. Shame on them for bringing this thing to life. Uh, again, I don't know who had just gone through their David Lynch phase and thought that they could do what he does, but you cannot, and this is the result. Uh, this is a waste of time. We come away no stronger than we entered. There's no real takeaway lessons. Um, it's boring. I'm looking at my cell phone more than I was watching, and it's been a long time since I've said that I this, this robbed me of my life. But uh, that is what this episode did. So... It's nice for them to drop another uh, like a, a shitty one on us now and again, just to remind us who we're dealing with. Like we got a little you don't too know comfortable. A sunny day without a rainy day. And, and yeah. this was a this, tsunami it, of crap. It, this used to be the norm, the norm for us. I think it's important to, to recognize this used to be what we've had to face week in and week out. And the good episodes were a respite. And now the, the situation is quite reversed and we rarely run up against a, a certified turd like this. So I agree. This is season one, season two level bad, but it's also probably the worst episode we've watched in a, a year. Yeah. At least a, a real life year. Yeah. In a real life year of vo- watching Voyager episodes, it may be the worst one we've seen in a full year. Yeah. I need to update the hall, the, the wall of shame, but I do not disagree with you. We've got a friend. We've got a podcast friend, Mike, who has decided to just start watching binge watching Voyager and kind of watching him go through the accelerated process of questioning why he's putting his time in (laughs) as he goes through season one and two has been uh, schadenfreude delightful. (laughs) We, 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 we understand his pain and We've experienced it, obviously, bit by bit. And we we keep telling him, don't worry, it gets better. And it does. But man, season two is the worst. But coming up next, Joe, season five, episode 20, then? Yes, 20. Netflix 19. Think Tank. We got George Costanza, I think. Yes, you out. do. <laughs> In the sick bay, Voyager is sought after by the Hazari, unyielding bounty hunters of the Delta Quadrant. A group of problem solvers offer a way to outwit the Hazari. In the most unexpected of guest starring roles that you will find, fresh out of doing Seinfeld, which is nuts to me because it's probably... You know, like, how is it that you decide to do UPN's Star Trek Voyager after being on the most successful sitcom of all time? But they somehow talked him into it. That is, in fact, Jason Alexander, guest starring on the, in this episode as an alien. It's probably how do you say no to Star Trek. How, I mean, to, to, 
you are at the height of comedy sitcom power. You can do whatever you want and there will be no black marks on your name unless you go uh, into some really, <laughs> for the time, uh, anti-woke stand-up a la other members of that show. Absolutely go after that Star Trek, man. Like, you're not an actor until you've been on Star Trek, right? I guess, and it's probably one of those things like it is for all these guys, which is I always loved Star Trek and I got the chance to be on it. You know, like that's what happens. Like we've had a the, the current king of Jordan. He did that. He pulled that move. Tom Morello from Rage Against the Machine. He's he's going to pull that move a little later. Um, is he? I did not know about that one. That's yes, exciting. Yeah. Um, the uh, Tom Bergeron gets uh, a, a role on Enterprise. Uh, same situation. He just loves Star Trek and eventually just talked his way into it because he, you know, like knows Whoopi Goldberg who turned you got Rick Berman to put him in it. You don't like, say no. Yeah. Okay. I've talked so much shit about Picard. And if someone said, hey, do you want to be an extra on Picard that gets shot or a drink spilled on your lap? I would say yes. I, I would look like the biggest fucking hypocrite, but you don't say no to Star Trek, man. You don't. I would say no. You say you'd say no, but you would say yes. But <laughs> thankfully, neither of us will ever know because hopefully Picard season two won't see the light of day. But uh, if COVID kills one thing, hopefully it's that. <laughs> oh, on that yeah. note, <laughs> thank you for joining us here on Vigil Please Hate Voyage to the Delta Quadrant. We will see you next week. 